Under Arizona state law, this is consensual. Believe survivors. Let me play my part. Check two, hey. Like, is that real? Did that happen? Like, the structure of your brain actually changes. And do you still feel that every day? And then it got time for guitars. Eating disorder, like, I didn't want to die. Tendencies. But I didn't want to live. Yeah. Girl. Gotta go in the hospital. You feel powerless because the body has a fear reaction. The opportunity to empower. No one can take away my power. I won't take myself out. Artists that are true like that, those are the ones that tend to like create change. I just don't understand how a cop could do that to someone and not realize what effect they're having. Well, I think that we have this um, misconception in our brains. Maybe up until this past year, we've had this conception that um, any sexual assault that happens on a college campus, any sexual assault where anyone might have been drinking is just a regretted hookup. But that, that is heavily not the case, and it wasn't the case for me at all. Meaning? Like, is it, when they said, oh, Arizona state law, did they, were they implying or saying that if a woman has any alcohol in her body, that that is consent to have sex with anyone with a pulse on this planet? I can't see that being a law. Well, that's not what they said. They just said, under Arizona state law, this is consensual. I don't know what that means. Again, I was, I was 18. Yeah. I was reporting this event to two older male police officers, and they made me use really explicit language that I was not prepared to use. I, you know, I, I really, I had just moved to another state. For the first time, I was away from home. I was a very, very naive, very young 18-year-old. Um, and I didn't know how to process what was happening to me. All I could think about at that moment was, get out. How can I get out of here? I don't want to be here. I don't want to do this. Escape. So I don't remember. If they said more to me than, than under Arizona state law, I, I don't remember. The two things I took away from that meeting was, under Arizona state law, this is consensual. Don't mix alcohol and beauty. What else about the film, for people who haven't seen it yet, do you want to share without giving away too much? Like, what else do you want people to hear who maybe are hearing this podcast and have obviously not heard of, mm -hmm. of the film? Well, I think you need to see the film in order to, I mean, to really, it's an interesting interaction, I think, between him and I. But the one thing that we want people to take away from watching the film is uh, to believe survivors and to see what happens the long-term effects not being believed can have can have on someone. So the second assault in my case is not being believed by the police, by my, by my roommates. Um, my roommate, when I told her what had happened to me, she said, oh, thank God I wasn't here, otherwise it would have happened to me too. Out loud, that's what she said? That's what she said, that was her response to me. Jesus So having no support system at that age and being not believed, the more people that don't believe you, the more you start to question whether or not what happened to you actually happened to you, or whether you're just making it up. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, for people who aren't followers of the Kelly Nicole Foundation, we just did a, uh, an educational event in Minneapolis uh, in July of 2018 with a panel on gaslighting. So I, I asked um, a combat vet and a psychologist, and we had a really powerful conversation about this concept that you just described, you start doubting yourself. Mm -hmm. um, what was that doubt like? And you strike me as like a confident, 
amazing filmmaker who knows exactly what you're doing and where you're going next and things are coming and hidden for you. How did you go from that horrible trauma and then the doubt and shame and everything on top of that being gaslighted to who you are now? God, I don't know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> step by step. Like, yeah. where, where did it start? Okay, so you're there, you're 18. Your first step out of that situation was what? Exercise. I... Um, I, I really I turned to exercise and that pulled me out of my my rut I kind of took I took kickboxing classes I did yoga I needed to reconnect with my body in a way that I felt like I had power that's the first time I've ever said that I think that's true though that's amazing um, and I think I, I, really I mean I had told one or two friends but I didn't talk about this until the past year and I think that and I was terrified when I when I released my trailer that was the day the Weinstein the Weinstein story dropped so, I mean, no it was way. serendipitous. Yeah, and then that night, um, I'm part of a, a group called uh, Women in Media Production Salon, and we met with a woman who helps survivors who are speaking out. Um, she, she helps them kind of like how to, how to work with the media, how to tell your story, how to have boundaries, all that. You said she's like a PR coach for survivors. Kind of, yeah. That's amazing. Um, and... We had this meeting of, there were probably 50 women in a room and we got together to talk about Weinstein and how, there were Hollywood women, so how does that affect us? How do we feel? And, and um, I had just that day released my trailer and so it was a kind of a terrifying day because now my parents are gonna see this. You know, any future employer, any current employer, people I went to high school with, any guy I might potentially want to date, you know, are gonna see this and know this information. This is my most personal, biggest, darkest secret and I'm just like, fuck it. But can you see, and it's easy on the outside for me to say this, but can you see how within that story, you don't look like a victim, but you look like a protagonist and that it's not something to be embarrassed of or are you just not there yet? Sure, but little baby steps, right? Like the entire time with making the film, um, like I said, I I co-directed this with my, my directing partner, Amy Rosner, and... I couldn't have had a better partner. Like, she's the one that kind of coached me through doing everything. And she was like, anything that you want to do, we'll do. If you don't want to do it, we won't do it. And it was baby steps to, I didn't even think we were going to make the film. We were just going to shoot it and see what happened. And then, you know, and then we raised money and then we released the trailer and we did all this stuff. And then, you know, now we have a film that's touring all over the world, which is awesome. But um, it's still hard. You know, I, I still like... The Q&As make me, re- anytime there's a, a screening, I get really nervous. I don't watch it. Like tomorrow. Obviously. So yeah. tomorrow your film's at 11. Yes, and I'll probably find have a mimosa first. You're going to find then, a, you're gonna have a drink. You're going to find a way to step away and then come back? Because I would. Yeah, I don't, I don't watch, watch the watching. film. I'll just show up at the end and do the Q&A. But how do you know? Because I don't love watching our documentary. Yeah. But, I mean, it's a film festival. I have to be there. Well, you don't have to sit through it, though. But then how do I know? I mean, it's 20. I know the length, so I could step away and come back. But yeah. Well, that's, uh, that's what I do. I just wait outside, and then I know. You know, you know. Yeah. You get to a point with your film. I did the same thing with my feature, which I'm not in. It's like, you I know. You still didn't want to watch it. No, no. It makes me too <laughs> nervous, because someone might lean forward, and that means they're bored, or someone might breathe, and that means they hate me. I don't know, you know? I'm <laughs> so, <laughs> sorry. Someone might breathe, and that means they hate me. You just kind of internalize You don't jump to that. conclusions at all. No, That's very no. rational. But um, no, it's still a really anxious <laughs> thing, and, and, you know... I think it's just baby steps to get to where I am, but I feel so much better having made it because I'm living my truth now. And with this film, I essentially came out of the rape closet, as we call it. Yeah. Because this is the shittiest sisterhood that no one wants to be a part of. 
So when you go seeking support, there isn't a lot available because nobody wants to, you know, yeah. be a part of this group. Um, Does that coach work with uh, survivors of both genders? Uh, I assume that's not her job. I, okay. I, 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 she's a she's a teacher at Occidental College, and she's like a, a news correspondent. Um, but she does a lot of like sexual uh, sexual assault, bleh, survivor activism. Uh-huh. Um, so she's been sort of a mentor and, a, and an occasional coach for me when I have a meltdown. I know yeah. I can always call her, and you know she makes me feel better. Yeah. So um. So it's informal. It's not like yeah, she no, would no, no, turn no, no, down no. someone completely informal who's a survivor because they're a guy. No, no. Okay. Um, and I don't know that that's even what. I mean, I don't even really want to speak about that because I don't know exactly what sure. she does Fair enough. with that. I just know well, that she's a woman at, that I met at a group thing who for sure. I got on a phone call with and walked me through some things. I wish I could sit down with her. If you, have her, if you ever want to pass along my contact information, yeah, I'd be happy to, feel free. to ask her. So how did getting into the technical side of the film a little bit, and then we'll go back into the emotional piece. Um, uh, how do you, like you've got this film, you said you weren't even sure if you were going to finish it. Um, but, and now it's completely hot. It's just you're all over the place with it. How do you get known and raise money? Like, how do you, where do you go with a, a really powerful film to actually get it seen? Um, well, I mean, for, for my film, uh, I guess, I mean, film festivals are great. Um, how do you know which ones to apply to? Like, are they, are they usually gotta, legit? Are there a lot of research. fakes out there? Well, there are fakes, for yeah. sure. But you just have to... It, it, I mean, we spent weeks researching what festivals, what, what, what films did they play last year? Where did those films go? Oh. What are those films like? Um, what, you know, what film is like my film that... It, it, I mean, we spent... We were trapped on our laptops for weeks researching. And then, you know, we, we're also in the industry, so we've heard from friends like, oh, this film festival is great. I've had films and festivals before. My, my co-directors had films and festivals before, so the two of us kind of already had a... Um, a foundation. Did you apply to like Cannes and Sundance? I did not apply to Cannes. Um, we did apply to Sundance. Okay. We got very close, but we did not get in. Uh, almost worse. <laughs> it's almost worse. Almost worse. <laughs> Nothing worse than that silver medal. Well, yeah. Get the music behind the mission. Hate Becoming by Kelly Nicole on iTunes and Spotify. If you guys haven't checked out the merch table, join the movie. Buy the album. Get your Kelly Nicole band merch and donate what you can at kellynicolefoundation.org. Courage is strong. Amplified!